Welcome to Creative Natural Living by Thea Stone. In this episode, I'm going to do a bit of a deep dive um, of the three sort of main areas that I focus on, creativity, um, natural uh, or nature, and life. Uh, This one's going to be about life. And every now and then I'm going to do one of these where I, I... really look into a specific thing either that's happening in my life or that I see out in the world that I want to talk about and it may not necessarily be linked to creativity or um, living in a natural way but it's something that I want to express and this one has been on my mind for many months and it's finally decided to crystallize and come together and I know this is going to be a topic that's going to be Marmite either people are going to really resonate with it or it may it will just switch them off so the example that I use in this whether you agree with me or not I would ask you to See if you can see the same pattern in other aspects, regardless of whether you agree with me on this specific topic. Because if you can, then you'll still have the potential to gain something from this uh, podcast. So this podcast is entitled From Spousal Abuse to Societal Abuse. Um, This is going to be my first time really diving into um, some of the trauma that I've gone through. I've mentioned in various places that I've come out of an abusive relationship and uh, wrote about it a little bit on Medium, but I've not really gone deep into it. And this is going to be one of the first uh, deep dives that I'm going to do. But it's become very apparent that um, abuse is not just between individuals or a small group Um, it can be done on a very large scale and when you have gone through it in a personal level you can start to see the same patterns in society at large and so one of the things that I'm going to be working off tonight is a graphic that I will link to in the description of the podcast It's by the Workplace Mental Health Institute and it's entitled um, 15 Signs That You May Be in an Abusive Relationship. And I'm going to go through these and talk about how they manifested on a personal level or how I've seen it manifest in other people that I know and then show an example of how this is manifesting out in the wider world and how we have to pay attention to it. Because these same tactics work on both levels. So the very first sign is um, they stop you seeing friends and family. Isolation is, well certainly in my case, the very first thing that happened to me. Um, Within a year of being with my ex... I was not seeing my friends and and I was not seeing family as often as I would 
Um, it took a lot longer for my family to be sort of um, shuffled out of my life. But my friends went really quickly. And it soon became very much about him being the only person really in my life. And there is a reason for this. If you don't have alternative points of view, then their narrative can win and can be all dominating. You know, if you don't have a friend to sort of snap you out of it or give you an alternative point of view, it's very easy to get sucked into somebody else's um, opinion. And so this is really crucial. Um, And I've heard stories from other women, and this quite often is an early sign. Now, when I take this out into the large, and before I, before I talk about that, there is a, a story from the Buddha, or a, not a story, but a, a way of thinking um, that he uh, is said to have given to people to try to work out if something is moral or not, if something is um, skillful or not in terms of action. And the way he put it was, if you were to extrapolate your behaviour out to the rest of society and then imagine what would happen, if that turns into a destructive or chaotic behaviour, then it's also not good on a personal level and I'm kind of kind of go flip that so if you see this on um well I guess it works both ways because if you see this on an individual level um and then you start seeing it in a societal level if someone is abusing you uh, a spouse a family member or something You know, that's wrong. And you don't have to tolerate that. The same is true for society. So the topic I'm going to be talking about today is the pandemic. So I know this will be a hot topic. And I know that there will be people who know me who are going to be a bit surprised about some of the stuff I talk about, but it's time. So... Going back to isolation, what's one of the first things that happened? Social distancing, lockdowns. We weren't allowed to see the people that we're normally allowed to see. We got isolated. And when we are in, out and about, we have to keep our distance. We can't just sit and chin wag or talk around the water cooler No, we're being kept apart. First sign. And it may not seem like a lot, but we are social creatures. And we need connection. So when outside authorities start interfering with that, what are they trying to do? They're trying to stop alternative viewpoints to their narrative. They want 
the only source of information to be theirs. Exactly the same playbook. So, the second sign is they won't let you go out without permission. Now, one of the things that I went through with my ex was that if I had to, if I was invited to a social gathering, say at work, or very rarely if I had a work friend who wanted to just meet up, go for a pizza or, or something, you know, after work, which didn't happen that often. But if it did, um, I had to plan how I was going to how and when I was going to introduce him to the fact that I was not going to be around for an evening. And I would have to be very precise. If I told him too much in advance, he would forget and I'd have to remind him and remind him and it would start to feel like nagging. If I didn't do it with enough warning, then it would um, be too much of a shock and then there would be more drama. I would have to be uh, very precise about when I was expected back and if I changed my mind whilst I was out and decided I wanted to stay longer, um, there would always be tension. And because I was nervous about um, calling him and saying I'm going to be late, later than planned, it would never go well. You know, and the trouble is I got so used to because of the isolation at being at home and not going out that initially I might say, I'm probably not going to stay that late because it was like I got out of the habit of being social. But then when I was there, I would have such a good time that I would then have the conflict of, okay, I'm gonna, am I going to turn myself away before I want to or am I going to make that awkward call and stay a bit later, but then come home to an argument. I mean, both cases could end up in an argument, but, you know, it would be different kinds. And so there was never the ability to be spontaneous. There was never the ability to, you know, really relax into it. You know, there was always this tension because um, I almost didn't, if I was enjoying myself, it would create tension because then I'd want to stay longer. And if I wasn't, then, you know, there was just the awkwardness of a, a social situation that um, wasn't going well. But more, t more times it was the, the former. And so, yeah, uh, it, it never really went well. And so the conditioning was it's safer to stay home. Now, when we take this out at large of society, where does this, where does this express itself in this current situation? Well, you can't go out without tests or jabs or even an exemption form if that's the way you go. You know, you have to have certain things in order to go to certain places at certain times. You can't just be spontaneous. You have to make sure you've gotten a test 48 hours before, whatever the rules are. It's, again, 
putting conditions on something that should be allowed to be organic and unfold in the way it wants to, rather than placing limits that constantly make you think about uh, how you're going to plan it. Sometimes we are spontaneous, that is life. And sometimes you can get the most rich experiences out of those moments. Because quite often that gets you into doing things that you may not have considered doing before. And those always help you grow. So once again, we see the same signs. The third one is telling you what to wear. Now, this one, it didn't happen too often, but there were definitely times when what I wore uh, became an issue. Um, I remember one time there was a, a work social and I had a I had a skirt that I really liked, but unfortunately I didn't have a top that quite went with it. And so I had two sort of okay options, but none of them were ideal. And I chose one in the end and I put the other one in my bag just in case I changed my mind. And just as I was going out the door, I got the, that doesn't match. And so I spent the whole time going all the way up there being paranoid about the fact that, oh, this, you know, I'm going to look awful. And then I changed my top when I got there and I asked, is this okay, you know, to a few people? And I said, yeah, it's fine. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, the colours weren't perfect matches, but, you know, it wasn't horrendous. And, you know, when you go out and you don't do it very often, you want to feel nice and, you know, um, because, you know, us women, we like we like to feel good through our clothes sometimes, you know. And so to have that snide remark in the back of my head sort of stuck with me, at least for the first half of the evening. And then um, another one was um, I had been to a, a, a Christmas party and I had bought a while ago, you know, a set of underwear that um, I quite like, but I, I'd never really worn it and I I thought oh it'd be a good you know opportunity to wear it at the party because I'm getting dressed up anyway so why not and when you know after the party was done and I was putting my clothes in the laundry um from the bag that I brought home and all of that and he saw saw me take the underwear out and he was like so what were you up to the implication being that because I was wearing new underwear, that I was wearing it to show somebody and that I had been unfaithful. And although these are small examples, I know, I've known other women have much bigger issues with, you know, what they're wearing from their partners. And it's a control tactic. It's a way of trying to make you less attractive to other people so that they don't have to worry about their jealousy. So they don't have to deal with that. 
because most women want to go out and feel good and and it's not about attracting somebody else but it's a great control mechanism when you want to get somebody in their head to really make them feel like they can't wear what they want to wear and then we take this outwards what are we being asked to wear or at least in many places we're being told to wear masks or face shields or even badges as to why we're not wearing a mask or a face shield and if you don't you know you've got to go outside expecting a battle every day expecting that peer pressure snide remarks or looks yeah so and it's not just masks there have been many other instances where some countries where you're not allowed to wear a burqa for example or a cross or even hoodies you know so it's not just you know limited to this kind of situation but again this is a personal choice why is it being impinged upon and why is it being forced upon us now there is plenty of evidence out there that masks don't do barely show any kind of benefit if you want to go digging for it and actually cause a lot of harm but that's not the narrative so we feel that because we're told to we have to do it again same symptom next one step uh, sign four is monitoring your phone or emails now digital violence is is one of the handful of ways that violence expresses itself and this could be tracking this could be hacking into your emails or your accounts i mean i've certainly had emails go missing that i know that i had and they were damning emails as well so i'm sure my ex got into my account and deleted evidence um i've also had the fact that he would want to make sure that he could always see where my phone was and if i didn't he would yeah it caused issues he, and there were times where he he would demand that the only places i'd ever be were work or home and he would want to see where i was at all times and this is a big problem especially in this day day, uh, day and age where we are just got technology everywhere and half of it could track us and that's not including hacking so it's 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 very intimidating knowing at all times that he's watching you or could be watching you and there were times where before i actually left where i nearly left and i had to figure out how to get that tracking off my phone so that he couldn't see me and then that would send an email to a joint account which would tell him that i've switched it off 
and all these kinds of things. And it's, um, it was, yeah, very scary. And we take this out to the large. Well, right now, what, what, what is the, now this is not implemented in all places, but there are some countries where your phone needs to have the right piece of information on it, the right check mark for you to get into places. And if you don't um, show it, if you don't show your medical information and share that with strangers, you can't go to particular places. Medical privacy is a right. And we should not be putting it on servers that can be hacked and sharing it with people willy-nilly. Again, the same sign. Step, sign five. Is control the finances or won't let you work. Now for me, this happened in a couple of ways. Either he was in control of the money or I technically was in terms of doing the accounts and all of that. But he would then manipulate me into being able to spend whatever he wanted. And then if we went over got in a bad situation, I was the one to blame because I was the one technically doing the budget. And if it was the other way, then he he had control of the money and I would just get a little stipend every month for things that were for me. But I wouldn't necessarily um, have the... or feel safe enough to spend it because of how much he was spending so yeah and one time i actually can you know confronted him and said look i want our money separate and he just went ballistic absolutely ballistic like it was the most unreasonable thing because i was the one earning money and he wasn't or not a lot anyway and the whole reason that i i confronted on one of that was that he was started spending money behind my back without even telling me because he used to tell me he used to come and ask me or is this okay but it was just a way of him sort of covering his back so that you know he could say that I was informed informed consent um but then when he started spending large amounts of money when I was asleep when we were already in a lot of debt, that's when I really started freaking out and said something. And then, oh my God, did I get punished for that? Yeah. And there were also times when he threatened to ruin my reputation because he felt that 
he was the reason why I had any success. And so he felt like he could build me up and so he could, you know, tear me down. You know, he threatened to, like, call people that I worked with and trash my name or trash me online. All these things. Now, if we take this on the larger scale, then what's happening now? People are losing their jobs, their businesses. They're getting dependent on welfare. So when you're dependent on welfare, then there's usually a whole string of demands that come of it. You know, you can't travel, you can't, um, you have to turn up to certain appointments um, or you can't move without out of a certain area or there, there can be all sorts of crazy demands because when they are the ones paying you, they get to dictate the terms and they can change them just by writing a new law. And this is a great way to coerce people into doing things or to jumping through endless hoops and maybe making decisions that they wouldn't do otherwise, either because they don't have a lot of money or because, you know, work prospects are not good and sometimes people stay on benefit because it actually works out slightly better than the crap jobs that are in their area. So when they get the hooks into you through money, they can control people really easily. Again, the same symptom. Sign six is control what you read, watch and say. My God, yes. Now, On a personal level, this would come in a sense of, you know, if I would come to him having said, I read this article online or uh, this interview uh, video that I watched and then would trash the source either because it didn't come into line with something that he already said or believed in or because he would think that, you know, I'm, I'm very easily influenced and so it must be a scam or, you know, just, you know, nonsense, you know. Um, and, and also very much in the sense of if I said something that was out of line or out of his narrative, then, yeah, major arguments would ensue until he had battered me with his words into submission and agreeing with his outlook whether I actually did or not on the inside and then what I would watch would you know be things that he was willing to watch because um, it would have to be something that he could tolerate. And if, if it wasn't, then it would have to be something that I could fit in in other times when that wasn't going to clash with my time with him. Like, 
on my way to work or something like that. So if we take that on the big scale, if anybody isn't noticing censorship right now, then it's really got you. The amount of censorship that is going on in mainstream media and social media, and actually we are censoring ourselves too with the people that we actually do still interact with, it is absolutely disgraceful. It is unbelievable how many people are being deplatformed, that certain words cannot be said on YouTube without them being demonetized or their account being closed. I mean, words, single words. The, the algorithms are being trained to shut people down because you said a word too many times. The, the, the effort that some of the people who are trying to speak out against this are having to go to in order to make sure their videos and that stay up so that they can get whatever message out that they are talking about is absolutely crazy. And then let's think about, well, mainstream media is ignoring so much. They're playing that if we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist game. And, and we are also doing it as well. I mean, like, it has taken me, what, a year and a half of being in this pandemic to actually get to the point where I'm willing to speak about this. Now, some of it was because I wasn't able to speak about what I went through. But I've certainly gone through the ups and downs of thinking, well, what are the people who, who, who know me are going to think of this? Am I about to lose a bunch of friends? Am I about to, you know, cause havoc within my family that I still have connections to? Am I about to be censored? Am I about to get a strike on my account? Because I'm talking about something very real and real for me. And even if I was the only person on this world who thought this way, which I know I'm not, I should still be allowed to speak my truth. Now, I cannot go into the depths of the information that is out there that is credible, that is backed by science, that is backed by incredibly passionate, dedicated, knowledgeable people who are being completely ostracized and wiped from the internet. It is just huge. And when this becomes more widely known and people realizing this is the modern day version of book burning and thought control, I think we're all going to be very ashamed of ourselves. Again, the same symptom. Sign number seven is monitor everything you do. Now, this is very similar to 
sign for, monitor your phone and emails. So I'm not going to cover the same ground on the personal level. But it, it also, you know, it stems to, you know, what I was physically doing. You know, if I was in the kitchen or off somewhere, getting, you know, doing stuff around the house or whatever, you'd want to keep tabs on me. Just like, you know, what you're up to, why are you taking so long? Things like that. He'd want to know where I was, what I was up to. I would have to tell him if I was going away from the living room and what I was about to do. So he would have some idea of how long I was going to be. But if we take this wider, what's contact tracing? They know where you've eaten. They know where you go. And it's all under the, quote, guise of seeing if you come into contact with somebody who has a positive test. Let's not get into the fact that those tests are incredibly unreliable. But the government is, is now adding a whole new layer of tracking onto people. And we're giving that data to them. You know, at least with Apple or whatever, you know, there would have to be some kind of subpoena of information. Now, Apple may be able to access it, but, you know, we're now giving that to governmental authorities, collecting data. What else does that say about us? Because they're trying to figure out who we are, what kind of profile of a person are we? They're always trying to do that. Even if it's just for, you know, not so nefarious things as like working out who you're going to vote for. But it also works in other kinds of profiling situations like do you have potential criminal intent? Are you the kind of person who might forego on their debt? Are you the kind of person who we might be able to manipulate down the line? Who knows? But when you collect data, big data, you can get some incredible insights in people. I know this. Again, the same symptoms. So sign eight. Punish you for breaking the rules, but the rules keep changing. Boy, do they. I would do everything to try and live up to the rules that were assigned to me by my ex. You know, towards the end, I was tipping on eggshells, trying to read him. My nervous system constantly activated to make sure I was aware of every possible sign and symptom of things going astray. Because I didn't want to get beaten. I didn't want to get shouted at. I didn't want to have a bad day. And when they did go astray, there had to be a new rule. And either that rule was something that was imposed on by him or it was something that I imposed upon myself in order not to trigger him again. But again, with people like that, 
you'll never be satisfied. You can try to be that perfect angel, but it's not going to work. Eventually you realize there is nothing you can do to actually satisfy them. They want the chaos, because then they can blame you. They can put whatever they're feeling inside that they can't cope with onto you and make you the problem, because it's unbearable inside of them. And then they would have to admit that they are the problem. And that's not possible. Not with a lot of them. Then we take this onto the big scale. Have you been able to keep up with the rules and the mandates that they've put forward? Can you wear a mask if you're standing up on a bus? Can you... Uh, when do you need to when can you see people how many people can you be with how many times have you got confused in this last year and a half how many times have you had to sort of zone out or maybe sort of like play worst worst case scenario just in case you know you break the rule or you forgot something or you, you know it changed and you didn't hear about it No, this is constantly changing and it's also really arbitrary. Sorry for the noise, I had to go and plug in my laptop. Anyway, yeah, so the, the, the rules may change, but they keep some arbitrary conditions in and... You know, how many people have thought, really believed that if you're sitting down at a restaurant, you're safe. But if you stand up, my God, be careful, get that mask on. How many people have really, really actually uh, questioned that? And how many people haven't? You know, it's, but arbitrary rules and changing them, great way to control people. Because when you confuse people, they're much, you're much easier to manipulate them. And if this is constantly happening over a long period of time, it winds you down and also makes it easier to comply because you just got used to the way it is. You got conditioned to the fact that Oh, um, oh, this is the way we're doing it now. Okay, um, that means I have to do X, Y, Z now. Okay, and, and you don't actually question, uh, it, is there a good reason for this? Is this actually backed by anything? Is it moral? Or is it just another control mechanism? Again, the same sign. So... Sign number nine is tell you it is for your own good and that they know better. Yeah. The number of times when his way had to be the way that if I did something different, it was inefficient or um, 
it was uh, impractical or it took too long. No, I know better. And what does it matter if my way is different than yours? It matters if you want to control somebody. It matters if you want them to toe the line. Because even if their way isn't efficient or the best way, if they can get you to believe it is, then you're going to follow. It is again another control mechanism. You know, the number of times when I would be told that um, that I was taking too long doing something. There was always this um, pressure to do things quickly because he was impatient and he couldn't delay gratification. And so everything had to be now, 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 now. Whereas I like to take my time to not feel rushed because that induces an anxiety. I like to smell the roses, not, you know, march through a garden. And that's always been the way I am. But when you're impatient and you want somebody to, to do things your way, then that's wrong. Rather than how do we find a way to compromise that works well for both of us? No. I'm just wrong. We take this on the large scale. What we get is authority, and in particular, in this case, scientism. Now, this isn't real science. This is the religion of science. This is the, we know better. We've done the studies. When, in fact... They've, you know, fudged studies either by fudging numbers or doing it in such a way that they will get the result they want. There is incredible corruption in science. There is incredible influence to get things to come out a certain way. True science, the scientific method, where we say, this is the best information we have at the time, but we're going to play with it to see if it really holds out. We're going to test it, and we're going to have other people test it, rather than, this is the way it is. Here's our one study that proves it. Ignore the other 400 that go against this. You know, this is the one we're going to actually just like get the media to... to Prothless tires to the rest of the world. That's not real science. You know, I used to be so enamored with science and what technology and what we are capable of, but now I know that we have been so held back. What we could do now, if that were not the case, would be astounding to many. But unfortunately, the universities, and, and I've seen this firsthand, have been infiltrated 
so that big company, big money, get to say what is worth looking at and what isn't. Very easy for it, our knowledge base to get skewed that way. And then, of course, there's government, which um, pick and choose which experts they're going to parade before us that fit with their narrative. And then, because they come with the official seal of government and the backing of government, that they are the gods that we worship in times like this. And don't question, and if you do question, we'll have something to counter-argue to put you back in your place. And that goes on to sign number 10. Don't allow you to question it. If people question... uh, let's, uh, Let's start personal. So... If I ever question my ex, he would always make sure that that was a far more painful process than if I had just acquiesced to begin with, let him win. He would drum into me that it does no good to argue back. And then he would word things in such a way to make me not necessarily believe, but have to go along with his way. It would become an airtight argument that you can't think your way out of. It would be mind control. He would preempt any particular or possible counter-argument, sometimes before I even raised it, so that if it ever came into my mind, he had a way of nipping it in the bud, even if he wasn't around, because it would be planted in my mind. This is classic mind control and even propaganda. We take it onto the large scale. You know, this comes into all kinds of things. This comes into conditioning, to, you know, being trained into thinking a certain way and that certain things are the case by repetition and by, you know, um, incessant advertising. Um, having people um, that are well-known um, endorsing it. And also the fact that you are constantly exposed to only one side of the argument. And because of that, when people do raise a question, they are, that doesn't, you know, makes them look bad or... Um, goes against the the established narrative, then there is this incessant hounding or completely, you know, ignoring them so that, you know, 
it doesn't have a chance to, to sprout and grow into a line of inquiry. Because there is only one narrative. And if um, you allow anything else to come through, then they've got a problem. They're losing control. Losing control of your mind and the way that you think about a certain situation. Again, the same symptom. Sign number 11 is tell you you're crazy and that no one agrees with you. <sighs> yeah. So, this one is about making you the, the one out of line. You know, one of the things that he, he was very good at was laying out a beautiful, velvety smooth argument for why his line of reasoning was valid and why I was in the wrong. And actually, not only was I wrong, but I was completely unreasonable. And perhaps even abusive. You know, I, I got told I was the abusive one. A lot. And, you know, I... And even when I would bring up things that... You know, just points of discussion. Like, I remember one time I thought about um, juicing, you know, I'd, I'd watched something about it. I, I thought, wow, that's really interesting. Maybe I'll, I'll try that. And I was just thinking about it, but then no, it became like, oh, this, you know, you know, if this was really a thing, don't you think we would have heard about it by now? If this was really, you know, the answer to, restoring health or whatever don't you think mainstream science or whatever would have would have really pushed this so people knew about it no and also you know it comes back to the isolation it's isolation of viewpoint you know that you're being unreasonable nobody would think that And if you take this into the larger arena, this is when you get into areas of discrediting people, stigmatism of your viewpoint, which is also a divisory thing to try and make it us and them, because it's also very good to control people. When, and, and when people are divided, they're not going to share opinion and, and learn from one another. Um, but also it's like um, the way that uh, the term anti-vaxxer is used. This has um, become incredibly derogatory. That you're absolutely out of your mind if you don't want the vaccine. 
and you're made to feel like you're the only one who thinks that way. When actually there's a lot of people out there that are pretty dubious about it for one reason or another. But it's again the isolation. We don't want people who think outside the narrative to know one another because then you might gain confidence in your opinion or you might learn something new. And so to, to, to make you an outcast is a great way to control and limit how much quote-unquote damage you might do to them. Again, the same symptoms. Sign number 12, call you names or shame you for being stupid or selfish. If you're not getting, um, well, actually, stop, stop, personal. Um, the amount of names I got called when things started really falling apart in my relationship, I never thought that anyone would ever call me such things. And I'm not going to repeat them on this podcast. But they were like really the base name calling word, you know, words attributed to me and my character. To have that from somebody that I loved is absolutely world shattering. To know that somebody who I care for to think that way about me, even for just like a moment or the heat of the moment. It was demoralizing because I had built my self-esteem around him and his opinion of me. And so when it turned, it felt like my whole world fell apart. Because I wasn't getting my self-esteem from myself, my own source of being. And so it was reliant on somebody else, somebody who was becoming um, rather uh, unpredictable. And that took uh, a lot to actually shift my sense of self-esteem away from him and, and to start building it myself. Because when I got into the, the relationship, my esteem was also not very good for many reasons that I'm not going to get into here. But when I thought that somebody actually loved me for me, that was a huge self-esteem boost. And I, I started to value myself more. And uh, I started to grow. But it was actually, you know, an illusion house of cars and it fell down the second that he he turned on me in that way and it was an important lesson I'm not going to say it wasn't but it was devastating to go through if we take this onto the bigger scale We are being conditioned to believe that we are selfish if we do not get the vaccine, if we do not wear a mask, if we do not social distance, because we're putting others at risk. And there's a lot of evidence out there, if you wish to go look for it, that puts folly to all of that. But we are made to feel Like 
we are the lowest of the low. Even though everybody seems to know that the scientists have said it's probably not going to stop transmission, we still need herd immunity because that's the narrative. That's uh, the excuse they get to put the vaccine into your arm. Now, we won't get into why they might want to do that for other reasons, but yeah. So we get hypocrisy here as well. We get mixed messages here as well. We have the double think of that the vaccine's going to get life back to normal and we need it, we all need to take it because of herd immunity. But at the same time of, well, actually, it doesn't, it doesn't we haven't really tested to see if it has any kind of impact on reduced transmission and all of this, um, which is why you still need to wear a mask and still need to social distance and all of that, even though the messaging was very different before the vaccine came out. But, you know, don't worry about that. You know, hold that double thing. That's what we need from you. <sighs> yeah. And so if you see through that, or any of this on any level, then, you know, shame on you, right? Yeah. So, again, the same symptoms. Sign number 13. Gaslight you, challenge your memory of events, and make you doubt yourself. Yeah, okay. My ex was a master at gaslighting. It took me a long time to realise that it was actually going on. He actually, and I'm, I'm not joking here, he gaslighted me over gaslighting. You know, he would say, and you think I'm gaslighting you. <laughs> and again, he would preempt it. He would say it before I even said the word gaslighting. Actually, I'm not even sure I ever said the word. But what he did is he made a, a, a lovely argument about how he couldn't possibly be doing it, and here's all the reasons why you're doing it to me. And he, he he would... Yeah, he would he would he would challenge my memories. And because I was so stressed, it was hard to really um, acknowledge that this was actually happening and, and to be able to work out, wait, did that... Am I misremembering... Um, am I, um, did I, did I misinterpret it? And sometimes they would be so far apart that I would feel like, are we in the same world? Um, have I, have I just like stroked out or something? I mean, I, I do not get how you're getting this viewpoint. And in some cases I would just say to myself, look, this is his, 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 his viewpoint and it's just so different to mine that I'm just going to say yeah whatever and know my version of events and, and other times it was just like I really doubted my sanity I really doubted my memory and it's uh yeah it was incessant and it's a brilliant way to control people when you get them to a point where they doubt their own memory and their own version of events and the way they feel about things. 
because then you can swoop in with your opinions, with your narrative and take over. Now, on the the larger scale, how many flip-flops have we seen in the media? Tony Fauci at the beginning of things saying that masks aren't going to help anybody. People who aren't sick shouldn't be wearing it. It might stop a droplet, but it's not going to stop a virus because guess what? The weave of a mask is too big to stop a virus. But, you know, a month later when he changes his mind, oh, he should be wearing masks and... A year later, well, maybe two or three would be good. Then there's the whole word salad thing. You know, um, mixing up SARS-CoV-2 with COVID-19 as if they're interchangeable when they are not. One is the virus and one is the clinical disease. So that when you see a COVID-19 jab... What you're really seeing is something that's supposed to help with, you know, clinical symptoms, not stop the virus. But because they will use them interchangeably in the language that they use in briefings or interviews, you you come to think of them as the same thing. And so they can be very technically accurate whilst giving you a false impression. And then when you try to look back um it's it's very easy to get confused and then when they you know change their minds on things which they have done on many occasions you you kind of you kind of can get so confused and lost about what is actually true what's not again the same symptoms okay step number 14 almost there um dismiss your opinions this was this was yeah a regular thing i mean i i i quite often wouldn't necessarily speak up but if i did if i if i felt really strongly about something i would and i would just say no i i don't agree with this or that's not the way it happened or something like that and this does fall into the gaslighting as well you know that um your your way of of interpreting it is incorrect your you know the way you the way you see things is incorrect um yeah it th- there was a lot of that you know it could even go down to is it's more minutia like how to cut a pepper or yeah how how to wash your body or you know little things like that but it would it would it would be again about trying to control the way you do things to not think for yourself to get sort of conditioned out of that so that their viewpoint on the larger things would also uh have fertile ground to sink into and then if we go on a larger scale again we come into the whole mind control um and and even scientism things um you know, there's a lot of really credible doctors and they're out there that are being um, dismissed in some ways, quite literally, from their jobs or their opinions are being dismissed because they're not going along with what they're being told to do, what what the sort of authorities upon high 
uh, are saying is the way to do it. I mean, there are many doctors who have been coming up with treatments for sometimes, you know, quite uh, severe stages of COVID. And these treatments have been taken out of um, either the market or they are being prohibited. And I'm not just talking about hydrochloroquine. There are others out there. And there are actually many others and it's very treatable. But unfortunately, these things are being, you know, swept under the rug because the vaccine needs to be the way. And so if you have a different opinion to that, then, you know, you're being dealt with either by censorship or, you know, your media buy against theirs. You know, it's, yeah. And also, because scientism is much more dogmatic, it's like our way or the highway. It's not like, okay, how can we bring all these minds together from different, um, you know, expertise and backgrounds and find the right course forward? It's much more dictatorial top down you know this is the way we're going to present it this is the way it doesn't matter whether we've done studies that, sh that showed that this isn't the way we should be doing it we're going to just present this argument and if you happen to have some evidence or opinion to the contrary we will go after your character and dismiss you again the same symptoms and then finally, sign number 15. Play the victim. If things go wrong, it's all your fault. As I said earlier, I got told I was the abuser. That I was the one neglecting him, ignoring him, not listening to him. And it was me who couldn't get it through my thick skull. What he needed but of course, what he needed constantly changed. And even if it didn't, he would never be satisfied. And so he's been playing the victim even after I've left. You know, he didn't like the fact that I just snuck out. And I knew that that was the only way I could get out. Because... If I had talked to him about it, as I had done in previous times where I thought, you know, maybe this has ended. And that happened throughout our relationship a few times. Um, he would bombard me with his opinion until I stayed, until I agreed to stay. My opinion would be burnt out of me. And so I knew the only way I could really get out would be um, if I just left on an everyday errand and didn't come back. And so he's the victim because I didn't sit down and talk to him about it. It doesn't matter that I was the one that was getting beaten, having broken bones and bloody whatever. It doesn't matter that I was the one being made to stay up all night whilst he shouted at me and then made to go to work the next day. No, he's the victim.
And it got a lot worse than that, believe me. And he will always be the victim because he feels entitled. And if he doesn't get what he's entitled to, then he's the victim. But his demands will never end and he will always want more because he has a black hole inside of him that cannot be filled because he's not doing the inner work. And so that inner work gets thrown out onto me to do. Now, let's take this in a large scale. Vaccine companies are completely shielded from liability. And if you happen to have an injury, it's your fault. You will not get insurance coverage because you're the one who took an experimental medication. Even though they're not really advertising the fact that it's experimental, but you know what I mean. So, you know, if you if you take something like that and you have a bad time and you're going to need some help, you're not going to get any help from, you know, the system or your insurance or you're certainly not going to be able to go to the vaccine manufacturers and get compensation. Now, if this was a drug... And we could get into the fact that this isn't a vaccine, but not now. If this was a drug and there was as many deaths as there are now, this thing would be pulled from market and there would be a lot of money awarded to the victims of it. But these people are, are shielded. They're not the, you're not, you know, you're the victim, but you're not... Um. What's the word? You have no um, ability to get compensated for the fact. And, you know, the whole point of this this shield is to say, well, you know, we're we're making this thing at warp speed and, you know, we don't want to be held accountable for the corners that we cut in order to get out. Do you know they didn't do animal trials? Do you know that all the other coronavirus they tried to do, all the animals died? And so they skipped it this time and now you're the animals? Yeah. But, you know, they're, they're the ones that need protection because, you know, poor vaccine companies, they, uh, they're, they're doing so much under such a hardship and they need extra protection. And you know, if you if you wind up in a in a bad situation, that's just the way it is. It's your fault. You're the one who took the risk. And you know, let's not even get into the fact that these guys are getting paid multiple times for this and would be making enough money to actually Well, you would think making enough money to actually compensate people if they got injured, except for the fact that the numbers are quite large compared to drugs and therefore it would probably bankrupt them. So they need that extra protection because, you know, they're the victim here, right? So, 
It's all your fault if you get the vaccine. Something goes wrong. It's not up to them. Again, the same symptoms. I hope you can see in this whether you'd agree with me or not on this issue with the vaccines and the pandemic and any of that, that if you were to take another topic, that you could see at least some of these signs in the society and the governments and the systems that we have and see that it is actually abusive. You know, I don't care whether you completely disagree on every single point I have to say about the case study I'm using here. But please, the wider message here is actually that abuse goes beyond just individuals. It goes to society at large. And how can we ever have freedom and peace if the very foundations that we work from in society are abusive and corrupt. I would ask you, do you ever believe that the government has lied to you about just one thing? And it doesn't matter what one thing comes to mind. Because if you can think of one thing, then maybe that's the thing you should look at in this format you know do they isolate you do they you know limit your ability to go out do they tell you what to wear do they monitor your phone and emails do they control your finances and your work ability do they control what you read watch and say monitor everything you do punish you for breaking rules that keep changing telling you it is for your own good and that they know better don't allow you to question it tell you you're crazy and no one else agrees with you, call you names or shame you for being stupid or selfish, gaslight you, challenge your memory of events and make you doubt yourself, dismiss your opinions or play the victim if things go wrong and it's all your fault. Can you match any of that to anything the government does or the outcome of that? in society as it plays out because of the rules they set up. Because if it does, then we have to ask ourselves, who's the person who's going to be on the outside of that system to give us the alternative opinion and insight that allows us to escape this? This one has to come from within. This one has to come from our own understanding and breaking out of the shell. You know. And so that's really the message I want to leave you with. This one's been a really deep dive. And I know it's controversial. But that's fundamentally. Excuse me. The the message I want to leave. How can we expect. Domestic abuse to come down if we have a society that is abusive you know in this you know I I was one of many women who were locked down with their abuser and by estimates from people I know that the number of incidents of domestic violence has doubled 
And I'm not sure if that's really that it's doubled or that it's been reported or gone through the system in twice as much as it normally would because of a situation that was forced upon us because of the lockdowns, because again of the isolation. So if we really want to deal with abuse in the individual level, we also have to be willing to accept that we have it on a much larger scale and that by dealing with the individual cases, although necessary, it's only ever going to be a band-aid to a much bigger problem. And that's the message I want to leave with you today. How do we get to a point where we are willing to stand up and not accept this anymore? What does it take? How many times will you be punched before you say no? It took me years. And that was just with one person. It's far easier to just cower when it's all around you and say, that's just the way it is. Let's just make the most of it. But what does it take? So that's my podcast for today. Um, Thank you for going down this deep dive rabbit hole. I hope that this has been useful for some of you. I know it's not an easy subject, believe me. It's taken me a long time to get to the point where I could speak about any of this. But it's also something that's really necessary to talk about. And uh, I'm glad it's finally come up to the surface. If you have constructive comments about this, or stories you want to share, you're welcome to leave me a message or or catch me on any of the other platforms I'm on um, and raise questions. And if you have any thoughts that might be good to cover on other podcasts that, you know, to expand on this, be very welcome for feedback as well. So thank you for your attention and I will catch you next time. Bye. If you like what you're hearing and want to support my work and unlock more content, you can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash creative natural living.